knowing who you are, make a change in the world? What word do you think, and this is really where I want to get to as, we, as I'm just asking for some answers, what word do you think people would use when your presentation of the gospel comes out in the way your branch is made? To say it differently, how do people respond to some kind of the branches you are? So what are some thoughts you guys have? What kind of branches are there and what kind of response would people give to that? You guys, I should have told you, I'm looking for the response back. I'm here like, <laughs> talk to me. I'm sorry, I wasn't clear about that. It depends on which day it hits me. Well, that's interesting, right? Because we all have different looks on different times. Um, but who here can relate to being the prickly cactus? I'll just start with that, right? Who, who here relates to the, the things that I've said of, you know, if it's, if it's going to be, it's up to me. and just, just let me be alone. I can do it all on my own, right? How does the gospel get transferred that way? Hard. Once somebody gets hurt by a cactus, they don't go back. Ooh, my sweet wife. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to assume she's not talking about me, but she said, <laughs> once someone gets hurt by a cactus, they don't go back there again. It's true, right? What about aloe vera? Anybody had the experience of being an aloe vera plant? Yeah, right? Where you can speak that soothing word of life because maybe in the moment you didn't say the exact right thing, but you said the exact right thing in the moment. Does that make sense? So Jesus allows you to move forward in a place where you may not ever have been, from cactus to aloe vera. So be thinking about how this plays out, especially this week, as you are in relationships with other people. So we're actually going to get to our section of Scripture now, John 15, as we see in verses 1 through 11. Now I'm going to start off by reading verses 1 through 9. So follow along with me as I read verses 1 through 9. This is again in John 15, fourth book of the New Testament. As Doug would say, it's to the right of Genesis. So, verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is a vine dresser and I have to stop right there. Those of us who will read along, you say stop and someone has this clarifying moment. Where's my clarifying moment? This is the key. This first verse that Jesus says to his disciples, because he's speaking to them, this is the key. Jesus is redefining the identity of the people of God. And just as he was the true light, the true bread, the true way, the true life, he is the true vine. And he's going to set that up for them. But this is key. Think about that. Verse 2, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so it may bear more fruit. You're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I also loved you. Abide in my love. The first section here through verse 9 is where we're going to unpack our first point. So our first point, does your branch bear fruit, more fruit, or much fruit? 
So take a look first at verses one through three. I said the key to this is that verse one thought of I am the true vine. But it reads, I am the true vine, my father's a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bear fruit, he prunes so it can bear more fruit. You're already clean because the words which I've spoken to you. Now, think about this time when Jesus is talking to the disciples. And think about the imagery that he's starting off by using already by, by talking about this. And we unpacked a little bit of the Old Testament history. Now, a vine dresser back in Israel, if, has anybody been to Israel and seen this? I know Pastor Doug talked about that. Brian is raising his hand back there. Well, I'm not talking about the, like the little vines you see at Total Wine and more, like little vines hanging there with a couple little cute grapes or whatever. These are massive, massive fields, right? And the vine dresser would go during the winter season, okay? During the winter season, when the winter season ended, the vine dresser would go and pick up. He would lift up off the ground all of the branches that were connected to the vine. He did this so that the branches would not be down on the ground, which was cold, but they would experience the light and the warmth of the sun. And you could spell that S-U-N or S-O-N. But you think about what happens next. The vine dresser, he would take these grapes, he would take these branches, and he would clean them off. He would scrub them. He'd make sure that they were clean. Parents of children in the room that come in, sometimes remarkably dirty when they were younger, not so much now, but bless your heart, boys. When they want to get clean, you know, how, how, how do little kids wash their hands, right? Okay, I'm ready. And then we laugh, right? And then parents get the parent. And it's hard scrubbing work that gets them clean. And their skin's all nice and pink because now they're really clean, right? Think about this. This is the imagery he's using here. The vine dresser has to scrub these different grapes. And you know what happens when you lift the branch off the ground? You're forcing the branch to be connected right to that main vine. And that's where it's getting its life. The vine has to work hard. The vine has to get the roots down into the soil. If, 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 the, if the branch is on the ground, it's going to grow little tiny roots and produce really sour, small, hard grapes. So the vine dresser picks it up. You see what Jesus is talking about here? He's telling you, through my word, you have been made clean. You have been picked up. We have scrubbed you and washed you, and now it's time to abide. In fact, that word that's used to, to, to lift up is, in Greek, arrow. It has that exact meaning of being lifted up off the ground and exposed to God's Son. And the dirt remains on us today, too, at times, right? And we heard about it, some of the things and some of the redemption that comes in the prayer time that I love, that I look forward to every Sunday here and throughout the week. Um, sometimes it hurts to get clean. Sometimes you know that God's grace is going to make you clean, but you need to go to a brother or a sister, and you need to tell them, hey, brother, sister, God's telling us we need to be clean. And sometimes it hurts. But that's what we're called to do, because he does it to us. Scrubbing dirt away makes you clean, and sometimes it hurts. But the point of that whole figure is, is really to show the communion together with them and then the consequent fruit. Now, follow along with me in verses 4 through 9. So there's your verses 1 through 3, 4 through 9. And I want you to, to think about what word comes up over and over again. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. 
I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and they cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father's glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father's loved me, I've also loved you. Abide in my love. What word comes up over and over again? Abide. Abide or remain is another translation. In this context, you got to know something about John. In this alone, it's just used in this chapter. That word abide is used 11 times. It's used 40 times in the Gospel of John, and he in his writings uses it over 70 different times. This is the Greek word. It's, it's pronounced meno. It means connected to or to be a part of. Now, look at some other examples. John 6.56, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides, meno, in me and I in him. It means to remain steadfast. Write down these, uh, these references, by the way. You probably won't be able to get to them in time. John 8, 31, if you continue, if you may know in my word, then you're truly disciples of mine. John, again, in 1 John 2, 19. They went out from us, but they were not really of us, for they've been of us. They would have remained. They would have maynoed with us. But they went out so that it would be shown that all are not like us. And then in John 15, 9, we just read to lovingly obey just as the Father loved me, I've also loved you. Abide, mayno in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will mayno in my love. Now sometimes, as it's been related so far, it's a command. Sometimes it's a command. Sometimes it's a, a statement of fact. But a command in the Bible are imperatives. And when you're looking at the Bible, one of the first things they teach you is to look for those commands. Find the commands, highlight them, because you know that's what you're being told to do. Well, take a look at John 15, 4. This is one of your commands. Jesus is commanding the disciples. He says, abide in me. Mano in me. He's not asking them. You know, I, I know you're tired. I know you walk a lot. He's saying, abide in me and I in you. Fully connected. Fully connected. Only then will you have service to Christ. Charles Spurgeon said, you cannot have Christ if you will not serve him. So are you willing to be connected fully according to the command of Scripture? You hold up God's word and say, if I show you something here, would you believe it? And they say, yes, yes, yes. The disciples will abide in him. Most of the time, however, the word abide is not used as a command, but more as a statement of fact. It's called the indicative mood. It's indicating a presence of thought. It really tells us who we are. Now, if you look at verse 5, who we are, look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. You cannot be a fruit-filled Christian without this connection. You can't. You cannot. Anybody ever done paper mache, right? You can make it look very beautiful, and you go in the middle, and there's nothing inside. You can look like the artificial plant. Who you are is a redeemed, sealed believer in Jesus Christ, and the world has nothing on that. Amen? Amen. Nothing on that. Because the I am said. That's why. It's both something we are and something that we pursue. We talked about 
I heard it talked about this life of sanctification. You, you are positionally saved, and then the Lord moves you through your life, and you grow. Listen to what J.C. Ryle, who was a bishop in the early 1800s, said. He said, when Christ commands that we abide, he means cling to me, stick fast to me, live your life close to me, get nearer and nearer to me, roll every burden onto me, cast your whole weight on me, Never let go of your hold of me for a moment. That, my dear friends, is abiding. Huh? Can we say that we do that? Because I'll tell you what, healthy branches that abide bear much fruit. So we have the fruit in our life, but healthy branches that are abiding will bear much fruit. Because verse 5, it says, He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you take time and you break down that verse, that verse 5, Apart from me, it's, it's this Greek word, it's, it's pronounced dunamai. And if you were to say it the way it's spelled, it's dynamai. What does that sound like? Dynamite. dynamite. What is dynamite known to do? Blow up. Dynamite has power. Dunamai, that word means to have power. And what Jesus is saying to the disciples, if, if you do this apart from my power, you will have nothing but if you do it in my power, you will blow the whole world up. Amen? Amen. God is intentional and his words matter. Words matter. Warren Wiersbe said, this abiding relationship is natural to the branch and to the vine, but it must be cultivated in the Christian life. It is not automatic. Abiding in Christ demands worship, meditation on God's word, prayer, sacrifice, and service, and he goes on. All these things that we talk about weekly at Cross Train. So our point is that we need to abide and produce much fruit. So Jesus described what he was doing to the disciples by using the analogy of the vine and the branches so that the disciples who knew all the history would understand. And now he's going to challenge them to do something with what they have. And it's really what he does to us, right? What are you doing with what you've been given? We've heard Pastor Doug's story when in the early I don't know, when you, were, when you were a young parent, probably like in the 40s or something, I don't know, whatever that was. The kids are an adult, I'm kidding. When he was young, he said, you know, he's there and he's saying, Lord, give me more, give me more. And he has the right to say if I'm doing this correctly or not. But he hears or feels God say, what are you doing with what I've given you? Is that accurate? What are you doing with what I've given you? So church, what are we as a church, what are you as a person doing with what God has given you? Because he's given you something to be sure. So our second talking point, I'm going to be really clear, you're going to spend a couple minutes at your tables talking amongst each other, and then I'll come back up here. But think about this. How can you strengthen your branch? Because, you know, we need to have strength from the root, and the root is where the life is. You need to abide in that connection. How do you strengthen your branch so that the fruit from it grow into an orchard for the world to see? And what is one way, just one way, that you can use your branch to build into others this week? Take a couple minutes at your table and let's talk about that and we'll come back up.
Okay, so it's really cool to be up here and listen to all these conversations happen. That's what we should be doing. And by the way, as, a, as an aside, these are the things that happen all week long. If you just get with anybody, anybody in leadership will say, but I would say encourage the church too. All week long, this kind of stuff happens. And it should happen. You have a question, you call somebody. That leads into something else. And your D group explores another truth of the scripture, right? But what are some things that you guys talked about? What are some things that your tables talked about? Anybody want to volunteer an answer? Audra. What she said is there are lots of books you can do and read, lots of things you can do, but ultimately the Bible is the book you should be reading. Right, that's good. Anyone else? Tom. Interesting. You know, we did know a person at one point, and there are many people that say, you know what, I know I'm called to be a missionary. I'm going to walk across from coast to coast and just be a missionary. What about your family? Well, they'll understand. He wasn't joking. Right? Know who you are first in Christ, connected, and then your family, and then your friends, and then to all the regions of Samaria. Tracy, last one. Mm. That's awesome. So um, we're going to move forward with this thought here. Uh, Brian, did you hear what she said? She just literally connected your do-over, right? Perfect. I, I don't have her uh, on, on salary for this, but she said, you know, when you have an opportunity to share Christ, share Christ. But I would also add, you have the grace to know that if you are aware that you're missing that moment, he'll give you another one. You miss that moment, he'll give you another one, right? Step into the moments when you can, okay? And know that there's grace and forgiveness in your own mind. Don't be so hard on yourself. And I'm the one to talk, right? Okay, so let's get back in the text. Remember, the, 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 how do you bear fruit, more fruit or much fruit? That was verses 1 through 9. Our second point and is going to be in the last two verses in 10 and 11. How does your fruit empower you for other people. I want to do the talking point first, but really you probably could have a more mature understanding of that at the end. But think about this as we go through the text. Think about the answers you guys talked about. In the text in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Think about where chapter 15 sits. Now remember, this is just a, a recounting of the life of Christ according to John. So it wasn't written in chapters, right? We all are aware of that, okay? But as we break it up, you look at chapter 14, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That intimate connection with the Lord through the grace of his spirit, it, it just enriches and completes your life. That's what he's saying, that you can be in sync and be able to ask him for anything. Now, abiding with the Father gives you that access, and that's, that's where 15 is. But look at 16, on the other side of the bookend. In chapter 16, which I hope you guys look into, the believers in Jesus are affirmed. They're affirmed through his Spirit. 
And their prayers are going to sustain them when he's gone. And they're going to empower them for the work that has to be done. So those are your two bookends around where we're at. When you're looking at something in the Bible, you look, what does it say? What does it mean? How does it apply? And what's the context? And the context in the verse, in the chapter, in the book, and in the Bible. So you want to start learning and, and, and being, being skilled to teach God's truth. Do it like that. And so we look at those bookends and we see again at verses 10 and 11, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. He knows what's coming. Verse 10, he's summarizing chapter 14. Verse 11, he's pointing to where 16 and 17 really are going to take them. The verses transition with talking to his disciples in how to remain as they abide in him, verses 1 through 9. Now he's, he's giving them what to do in these last two verses, and ultimately through chapter 17, we get the why statement, why they were commanded to do what they're doing. But looking back at just those two verses, consider the comparative quality in verse 10. A believer motivated by the wonder of Jesus' love, this is what he's saying, which is patterned after the Father's love in its quality and extent. Remain in my love. It may seem like this crazy, new age, mystical thing for them. It probably did for them as it would for us, but obedience to the Father's command is the same for Jesus as it is for us. That's huge. I can't, I can't lecture you or, or get mad at you or teach you from something I have no knowledge of. And Jesus is telling them, remain in my love as I am obeying my Father's love. Active dependence and loving obedience are the proper paths for all God's children. I'm going to say it again. It's up on the screen because it's that important. You should write this down or take your little clicky things and do this. Because I'm telling you, active dependence and loving obedience. Active dependence, meno, being connected and loving obedience, remain in me, are the proper paths for all of God's children. Not, by the way, not for the pastor, not for an elder, not for a deacon, not for a D group leader. All of God's children Active dependence and loving obedience. It's repeated twice, this thought in John 14. It's four times repeated in 1 John. And it's important, obviously, to John to record this example. So as you think about how that looks in verse 10, look at verse 11, the last verse we're going to talk about. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. So these things, these things he starts with, that's trust in the plan of the Savior, right? These things that he's spoken of, this is what he just got done telling them in verse 1 through 9 that he summarized in the three years he's walking with his disciples. And, and honestly, it's the same joy that Jesus had in every single thing he did, even in the garden. In love and obedience, he went through the temptations in Matthew 4, right? He went through the Garden of Gethsemane I just talked about. He went to the cross. He went to the cross depending and obeying his Father. And he's reminding them that he found his joy even at death. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's finding his joy in obeying his Father and we should be the same way. So, some of you have, have fasted 
Some of you have taken a fast and done that. It could be from whatever. But if you look at a fast from food, a starving person who maybe is put in a position where they're, they're not desiring to be in a fast, a starving person has one thing on their mind. One. It's food. One thing. Church, we're to act like beggars, showing other beggars where the true bread can be found. We are to act like beggars to show other beggars where true bread can be found so we're not starving. And this is how Jesus leaves verse 11 with the disciples. Stay connected to him through the power of his spirit. Bring the word of his saving grace to the world. There are two things that will last forever. The word of God and the souls of people. The word of God and the souls of people will stand forever. The only question is with the souls of people, what happens to them? Where do they go? The word of God gives us that truth. But do we tell people that? Do we, at my table, we talked about in our talking point, what's the example? Do you know your identity enough to give people the example so they even want to know about where they're going? Consider the words, write this down, of John 15, 16. Just write this reference down. John 15, 16, a little bit ahead of where we're going to end today, but it reads, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This is not the fruit of the Spirit. This fruit comes from abiding and clinging to the truth of your identity. I want everyone in their, in their minds to think now of that picture of the Last Supper of John clinging to the bosom of Jesus clinging to the bosom of Jesus. He had to be as close as he possibly could to the heart of Christ. That is not an accident. He knew it. He knew it. To stay connected in active obedience and loving dependence on him. So in summary of our two points, remember we talked about does your branch bear fruit, more fruit, or much fruit in verses 1 through 9, and how does your fruit then that we've identified and that Jesus taught on empower you for other people. So you, you do have a connection if you're in Christ to our Lord and Savior. You have this connection. You are uniquely gifted to do something for the kingdom and you don't want to waste that. And you can't argue with me about that because I didn't write it. He did. You could take it up with the author and perfecter of our faith. So don't let the fruit of the Spirit, don't let the fruit of the Spirit that Jesus died on the cross to give us, don't let it stay on the vine and rot. It needs to get out to other people, all right? And healthy fruit is meant to be plucked and enjoyed, right? So are you willing to be plucked from one situation to another? Are you willing to do some of the things like my brother Scott was talking about in engaging and going to that huge, crazy mission trip in North Peoria? Are you willing to be like, like the Starrets and talk about what they're doing in their journey for Christ and being missionaries? Are you willing? And you know what? Listen to me. If today is the day that the Lord has moved your heart in that way, and you don't know really what I'm talking about, but you know something's going on, if today is that day for you that you recognize the connection the connection with the creator is more important than anything else. If today is that day, amen. My encouragement and my prayer is that come talk to me. Come talk to our pastor. Talk to one of the elders after. If this is the day, if this is the day the Lord has made to call you from, from the kingdom of hell to the kingdom of light, 
if this is the day that you recognize that you are connected to something more than your social media feeds, if this is the day that you recognize you don't have to freak out about everything that doesn't go your way up and down, if this is the day you find truth and strength in Jesus, amen. We celebrate with you. We celebrate. She almost whistled, so that's good. Because I'm telling you, we pray as a church, and everybody here that can hear my voice online prays that if you are connected to the miracle-giving branch, your whole life changes. Your whole life changes. I'm going to leave you with this. Be intentional. Be relational. Be ready. For the time is coming, people, when what I'm saying and what you hear preached about is going to move from informational to transformational. The time is coming when you're not going to have the choice anymore to say, let me think about it. Your decision will be made for you. Every knee will bow under heaven completely to the name of Jesus. And I leave you with this thought that as you remain connected to the giver of life, when your knee bows, it will not be in fear, but it will be in praise. Pray with me. Father God, I am wiped out and I am excited to be exhausted for the right reasons. Lord, you've given us an opportunity to hear from your word and your spirit as it goes forth into the lives of people. Father, as you, as you transform through your word the hearts of all those that can listen, I pray that you help all of us to remain firmly connected and that when we try to put our little roots back into the ground that we, that we seek the comforts of the sin and darkness that you had died to pull us from as we seek that. Lord, would you do whatever it takes to lift us up? Lift us off the cold, hard, dark, dead ground and into the beautiful, life-giving, aromatic, sustaining and connecting truth of relationship with Jesus there's nothing else we can offer and certainly nothing else I can say except for thank you and we love you and all God's people said amen